I was in high school and sitting in church, just like some of you are right now. And Dr. Tony Campolo was speaking that day. Ever heard of Tony Campolo? <laughs> and somehow in the middle of his message, he was referencing the peculiarities of high school students. And he pointed like that young man right there, right at me. <laughs> and of course, if you know me by now, I can blush very easily. It's like the whole church, you know, turned around and looked who he was pointing at. And so that was my introduction to Tony Campolo. And yet he shares a powerful story of one day in inner city Philadelphia. He was dressed up in a suit and tie and, and walking to an appointment downtown when he noticed a man that obviously has had a hard life living in the streets with a, with a beard down below his waist, very, very dirty and kind of shuffling his feet towards him. He was holding a cup of McDonald's coffee with a smile on his face and taking a sip. And as he approached Dr. Campalo, he said, would you like to have a sip? <laughs> well, Dr. Campalo said, this is my moment to himself. And he took the cup and he took a sip and he handed it back and he said, that's the best coffee that I've ever tasted. Well, the old man said, that coffee was especially delicious today. And I figure if God gives you something good, you ought to share it with people. And Tony said, oh boy, I set myself up. He's going to ask me for money now. And so Tony said, and I quote, I suppose there's something I can do for you in return, isn't there? And this haggard old man said, yeah you can give me a hug. And so Tony put his arms around this man and he learned quickly that this man was not letting go. He just hugged and hugged. People, he said, started. I could tell out of the corners of my eye were passing by on the sidewalk, staring at us, wondering, what is going on here? Here I was in a suit and tie and this guy probably had pair of clean clothes in months, filthy, dirty, smelly. He said, at first, I'll be honest, I was embarrassed. I didn't know what to do next. Then little by little, Dr. Campalo said, my embarrassment changed to awe and reverence. I heard a voice echoing down the corridors of time saying to me, I was hungry. Did you feed me? I was naked. Did you clothe me? I was sick. Did you care for me? I was a bum on Chestnut Street, and did you hug me? For if you did it to the least of these, you did it unto me. Powerful story, isn't it? And one we're faced with every day. In light that Jesus is alive. He is risen. He is risen. Indeed. He is risen. What a wonderful, powerful truth. And I hope we don't just live into that reality on Easter Sunday every year. Because Jesus is alive, our sins are forgiven. And we give thanks to God. And spiritually, we know that if we've transferred the trust of our lives to Jesus, 
We have a home eternal with him. That's good news. That's gospel news. And yet there's implications, too, that Jesus is alive. In terms of how we treat the stranger or the unwanted on the streets, somebody that you might even bump into even today. And so this week, we want to begin a new sermon series based on the truth that Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. And so for the next six weeks, we're going to engage Scripture and its spiritual truths to us, but also how do we live into the reality of the resurrection because we are also resurrection people because of Jesus Christ. That should change us and how we talk to others, how we interact with others, who we walk to the other side of Chestnut Street or not with others. And so, friends, we turn today to the Gospel of Luke. Now, Luke, as Chuck alluded to, Luke also wrote Acts. And that first 11, those first 11 verses of Acts chapter 1 is an expanded version of where Luke ends his Gospel here. But we want to take a look at Luke's Gospel this morning and see the impact of being third-day people. On the third day, Christ arose, right? And so how can we be third-day people? Not only spiritually, but physically as we interact with a world that throws us curveballs. That's, that's difficult. And so here, this scripture from Luke chapter 2 or excuse me, not, we're not going to Advent, sorry, Luke chapter 24, beginning with verse 36. This is after the disciples, or two men, were on the road to Emmaus, and they didn't know that it was Jesus whom they were walking with. And so they came back to Jerusalem in the midst of the other disciples and followers of Jesus, and verse 36 says, while they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them, and said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. He said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. And when Jesus said this, he showed them his hands and feet. And while they still did not believe because it was joy and amazement, he asked them, do you have anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it in their presence. Let me just stop right there. So here we go. That Jesus, they, the disciples were believing that Jesus was alive. They were talking about it back in Jerusalem. Two other followers or believers in Jesus were on the road and recognized, were recognized by him. They came back and they told people that Jesus is alive. But when Jesus literally appeared before them, they still couldn't wrap their hearts and their minds, their eyes and their ears, their whole lives around it, that Jesus was standing before them in the flesh. 
they thought they saw a what? A ghost, a spirit. And so Jesus says in his resurrected body, see my hands and my feet. He even ate a a piece of fish. Verse 44, Jesus said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets and the Psalms. You see, Jesus here is confirming Old Testament prophecy or God's sovereignty. Jesus is footnoting scripture and saying God has always had this story being told. Prophets shared it. Ears listened to it. Minds at times forgot it, including the disciples. Can you blame them? And yet Jesus reminds them and points them back to Scripture. Verse 45, then he opened their minds so that they could understand the Scriptures. He told them, this is what is written. The Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning with Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I am going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. So what does Jesus promise here? That the help is on the way, right? Holy Spirit help is on the way. And you're not just to sit and bask in the glory and the hope and the truth and the power of the resurrection. We're to praise Jesus, no doubt. We're to give thanks for that, no doubt. But Jesus says there's more to do in grateful response for that your sins have been forgiven. Go and tell. Go and tell the good news. And Jesus says, but don't go too far yet. Stay, start right here in Jerusalem, right where you are. And that should be a reminder to each of us. As wonderful and powerful as it is, to reach out across the city and the state and our nation and our world. Yes, the gospel is to go out, but let's not forget when we walk out the front door in the mornings. Amen? Who might God bring across our paths? And sometimes we don't say a word. We just might give a hug or a recognition that another person is valuable, even if they don't look like us, talk like us, or believe like us. Verse 50. He closes out, Luke closes out the gospel with these final verses. So when Jesus had led them out to the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and he blessed them. While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. Then they, the followers of Jesus, the disciples and others, worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they stayed continually at the temple, praising God. Friends, their personal journey of sadness, of sorrow, of anger, of fear, of astonishment, of disbelief, of doubt, of questions, Jesus erased that. Jesus erased it and he set them free to fully believe and worship and give thanks and respond when you hear, Christ is risen. Oh, come on. Christ is risen. risen 
Yes. Praise and worship and honor, and yet they were to what? Take that good news out and start from right where they were in Jerusalem. I love how Luke footnotes the resurrection that Jesus bodily arose from the dead. On the walk to Emmaus in verse 15, Jesus came near to these two men on the road. He said their eyes were opened to him in the breaking of bread when Jesus came into their house that night and broke bread. Or might, what we might think of as celebrating communion when Jesus broke that bread once again. They knew it was the Lord, the risen Lord. When Jesus, in today's text, came into that room where the disciples were and other followers and said, peace be with you, he appeared to them. They were scared. They thought they saw a ghost. So there's this risen Jesus in his resurrected body, fully human and fully God, this glorified risen body of Jesus isn't fully human and it isn't fully God. It's, it's a mystery to us. But Jesus shows them what? His hands and his feet. And Luke wants us to know that the belief in the resurrected Jesus arose out of the facts of the resurrection. Women saw him. Others saw him. He did amazing things in those four days until he ascended into heaven. He kept his promise of sending the Holy Spirit. And you can get into theories of, well, somebody stole the body. The women were hallucinating, and Peter and John were hallucinating at the tomb. Or they went to the wrong tomb, right? Or Jesus died much later, and they, they just made all this up. And believe me, there's, there's stories and, and theories out there. But as we base our foundation on Scripture, Luke footnotes the resurrection with facts and testimony of the resurrection. And it is right here in this passage that Jesus appears to them where he says the scripture has foretold this, the scripture has been fulfilled in your seeing, it makes forgiveness of sins possible. It fulfills biblical prophecies. It makes... The, justification of sinners like you and me possible. It lays a solid foundation for the Christian's hope. Luke wants us not to miss that. And so he tells us these stories. Luke is my kind of guy, detailed, not wanting to miss a point, writing to Theophilus, right, in Luke, and then in, in the story of Acts, to see the birth of the church to see the truth and hope and power of the resurrection lived out in joy and in concern. And friends, if we need to step back and be honest with one another, our ultimate desire is for immortality. We want to live on. There has to be something beyond this world. Yes, we are thankful for each day that God gives us, but there has to be something more. And so, Paul, and so, excuse me, in the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 3, we hear he has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the hearts of all people, yet they cannot fathom what God has done from beginning to end. 
And so we're seeking after this eternal life. And Jesus says, it's here. It's here. Repent. Receive the forgiveness because I have been crucified, dead, and buried. And on the third day, I have been raised again by God's almighty power. You're eternal people with me, friends. That's Jesus' words to us. But he didn't stop there. The validation and power of this moment footnotes to Jesus' disciples that they're to go out, that they're to go out and share the great commission, the good news. What are they to share? The death and resurrection of Jesus and the promise of forgiveness of sins upon repentance. The people were to reach what? All nations, beginning with Jerusalem. And finally, when are they to do that? They were to wait until the power came from on high. So Jesus tells them what to do. Jesus tells them who to go to. And Jesus also tells them when and how this is going to happen. Friends, it's not up to us to create our scenarios. It's not to us to say, this is how I'm going to live in all eternity. We run to Jesus. We are eternal people. And we too will be with him in a glorified body. I'm going to need help, Gigi. All of a sudden, it's not working. There we go. From Philippians chapter 3, our citizenship is where? In heaven. And we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his what? Glorious body. Philippians 3, 20 to 21. Eternity is set in our hearts. And we will be with Jesus, and we will have a glorified body, the miracle and mystery of being a resurrection people, of being a third-day people, that Jesus did not stay dead. Sin and death did not hold him. Holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. And Luke wants us to know that God... The Father has kept his promises that the resurrection is real and we're to celebrate it. We're to worship Jesus, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And yet, as God guides and directs and gifts us, we're also to be third-day people as well. And so, friends, I love this quote. The Lord is with us on our journeys. He is there when we are home. He sits with us at our table. He knows about funerals and weddings and commencements and hospitals and jails and unemployment and hard work and laughter and rest and tears. He knows this. Why? Because he is with us. He comes to us again and again, Bob Benson. Friends, as we live in the truth and the hope of the resurrection, Jesus' promises his presence. And so I want to go back to this final slide of hearing again 
where Jesus broke into that room. May we hear spiritually, may we hear from God's word today the words of Jesus. And they're what? Peace be with you. Jesus knows about these last 13 months and the joys and the challenges and the frustrations. He knows about the news that's going to come on today and distress our hearts and our minds near and far. And this is his words to us, just as it was to his disciples and followers who had all sorts of emotion over 2,000 years ago. Peace be with you. Despite the fact that his followers had been afraid and doubtful, lacking in both faith and understanding, Jesus wanted to bring them the message of salvation. And he also wanted to say, you are going to be my vessels of bringing that salvation to others. And that's going to be different for each and every one of us. Scripture has footnoted that the suffering, the death, is the mission of Jesus Christ the Messiah, but it is also the testimony that Christ has risen again and will reign forever and ever at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. Amen? Amen. Never death without the hope of resurrection. That was God's message to his people. Weeping will tarry through the night, but joy will come in the morning. Psalm 33, verse 5. And so, friends, joy has come. Joy has come in the morning. How are we going to take the day that God has given us and live it as third-day people? Because Jesus is alive, we have a mission. We have a purpose. Christ is head of his church. The resurrection, he conquered sin and death, and in his ascension, he took his seat at the right hand of God the Father Almighty as Lord of his church, praying for you and me even now. His promise of presence amidst the joys and concerns of our lives. Friends, Christ is risen. I didn't catch you off guard. I'm glad. Christ is risen. Let's be third-day people. Amen? Dear Jesus, we love you and we thank you um, for who you are. Um, Lord, we've we, we been given another day. And I would pray that we can just give thanks and worship and praise you for being the God of not the dead, but the living. And so as you have given us breath and life and hope, may we see how near and far we can bear resurrection hope to people in need. How we can recognize others who are hurting by an encouraging word, a phone call, a note. And yes, the day will come when we can give hugs again. But Lord, I pray that you would just make us sensitive as third day people because of who you are and the gift of the Holy Spirit that we might be light bearers, your light bearers, into a world of darkness and need. Lord, we pray this in your wonderful and powerful name. And God's people say,